Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Delighted to be here with you again. And I'm happy to have back on the podcast, Dr. Annie Andrews. Dr. Andrews is a pediatrician. She is a nationally known gun violence researcher. And she joins Explore the Space podcast during Gun Violence Awareness Month in the United States to talk about her new project. She has just launched a political action committee called Their Future. It's an organization geared towards supporting leaders and candidates who pledge to put the needs of children first in their policymaking decisions. And I will say, as the father of a young American child, I love this. And as we talk about in the show, this was a space where there was a vacuum. This sort of thing didn't really exist. And she has certainly hit the ground running with this project. And, you know, hearing Annie, when she's fired up, is it's really, really compelling. And I think you're going to really enjoy hearing this. And hearing her back on Explore the Space, which is always a treat as well. Given that it's Gun Violence Awareness Month, I also do want to give a special mention to Rock the Ride. Rock the Ride is now in its sixth year, and it was created as a way for the community to get involved by using their voice and their feet to raise funds for local and national nonprofit organizations addressing critical issues on gun violence. Rock the Ride happens in Yountville, California, which is sort of between Napa County and Sonoma County. It's an absolutely gorgeous place. It's an event that I've been involved with now for five years. Explore the Space as a sponsor. I've been really fortunate to participate both as a speaker and also on the walk with everyone else. And I would really encourage all of you to take a look at the website, rocktherideusa.com. It's on Saturday morning, June 24th. We've got either a 10 or a 25 mile bike ride, or there's a three mile walk. And then we all meet in the park. There's a lunch, and then there's the opportunity to learn and hear from local and national leaders who are driving the progress that we're beginning to see. And I'm really excited to share that Annie is going to be one of those speakers. I will be there as well. Please check out the website. It's it's a very, very special event. I think this year is going to be exceptionally meaningful. Look forward to seeing you out in Yountville for Rock the Ride. You can check out the archive of Explore the Space podcast, www.explorethespaceshow.com. And you can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. I'm on Twitter at ETS show and Instagram at explore the space show. So with all that said, let's get to it. Without further ado, Dr. Annie Andrews. Annie, welcome back to explore the space podcast. This is becoming like a regular thing that we were just joking before we went live that, you know, this is your third time in like a year and a half. This is awesome. I'm so honored to be back. Thanks for having me, Mark. (laughs) I don't know how to read the tone. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Good. I'm I'm honestly delighted to have you. I want to start from a place of, I love juxtaposition, as you know, and the last time we recorded, we were sort of on the eve of election day. And now here, less than a year later, things have pivoted and your trajectory is totally different, but equally compelling. You did not win your run for Congress, but the, what I'm curious about is the way you sort of moved through that process and have redirected yourself with so much speed, but also with so much effectiveness to now be launching and running with 
a very compelling political action committee. Yeah, my life has been a whirlwind since the day I decided to run for Congress. And when I think back to what I have accomplished since the day after the election, it is a little bit head spinning. And I think the first thing to say is it's not just me. I have a team, um, particularly my partner in this effort, Renee Harvey. I wouldn't be doing this without her. But we had so much momentum behind us during the campaign. Um, you were there every step of the way. You saw the momentum that we built. And I was absolutely not going to let that fade because our fight grows more and more important every day. My whole goal for running for Congress was to give children a voice in Washington, D.C. It doesn't matter if I do that by being a congressperson or some other avenue. In 2022, my path to do that looked like running for Congress. That didn't work out, but it opened up new doors for me and helped me understand how politics works in this country and what is missing from the political landscape in this country. And what we saw that was missing was a voice for children in Washington, D.C. It is shocking to think about the fact that there, before our organization, there was no political action committee for kids. And so that's what we've built. It's really exciting to to hear that because everyone obviously talks about how, you know, the 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 newest generation that's now turning 18 and voting, they're voting in droves, they're voting in very, very high numbers. So clearly there's energy there before people turn 18. And I want to get to that. But before we do, I am really interested in a very specific thing. You and I haven't talked about this before. Over the last, whatever, seven or eight months, what has been your self-talk? What What messages have you been giving yourself? to be able to kind of pivot this quickly, this effectively, and still be you? That's a great question. I have a really strong internal drive to do what I'm doing. And I don't know where it came from, probably the same place where I decided to be a doctor when I was four. I just am a person <laughs> who sets my mind to something and forges ahead and creates a path to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Even though I lost, running for Congress helped me with my self-confidence. It helped solidify in my mind the value of my voice in politics in this country. And it encouraged me to continue to talk. I knew I needed to keep using my voice after the election. So, you know, I have plenty of days of self-doubt, just like all of us, um, where I think, am I the right person to do this? Am I going to be successful? Am I strong enough to do it? Am I hardworking enough to do it? So lots and lots of self-doubt. But for every thought of self-doubt, I have reassurance and encouragement, you know, from people like you and people all across this country who message me on Twitter, who message me on Instagram and thank me. You know, I, I go to the grocery store and people pat me on the back and say, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for giving voice to our children. And so, you know, I think we all go, vacillate between self-doubt and self-confidence and I'm no different. Um, what people see public facing is a lot more self-confidence, but there's still a lot of self-doubt back there. But like, I don't care. Like, this mission is too important to me. Like I can bring myself doubt along the way and I can, you know, continue to plow through that. I like that. It's something that I am paying more particular attention to for myself, the actual messages that I give myself, because I've come to find 
for many, many years, the narrative that I would give myself was uniformly negative um, and oftentimes quite cruel. And I guess it got me where I am today, but I'm kind of tired of it. And so I'm interested in people who are high performers who have dealt with adversity, how they're navigating that too, because it's an opportunity for me to learn, quite honestly. Uh, in the space, though, of being out in public and that self-confidence, one of the things that I observed in that space of kind of commitment and hard work, boy, you worked hard to become a good public speaker. What was that road like? Can you Could you feel that progress from like kind of those first times of giving a speech to a couple of people or like you and I practicing to then you're like standing on a balcony in front of a throng of people in the span of a few months? What was that evolution like? Yeah, it, it's, it is really wild to think about because, and again, you were there with me. I remember when we did that event with Ken Jong at the beginning and I had my little notes on my note card and I, you know, I'd glance down at it and look back up. And I remember the feedback you gave me. And I remember the first time I spoke in someone's living room about my, you know, the sort of my stump speech and I had my note card in my back pocket at that point, just as a security <laughs> yeah. blanket. Yeah. Um, to the point that I'd be at events where other people were speaking and I would get like antsy and like, give me that mic. I'm ready to go. Um, Isn't that a good feeling? You're like, let's go. Yes. And I just, you know, practice. It's all about practice. I just reached this point where no longer did I have that like heart palpitation feeling before I would speak. I was just excited to share my message. But behind the scenes, it was just like, doing that day after day after day, getting those reps in so that I could build those skills. And, you know, I had some public speaking experience, but that was very different public speaking. It was PowerPoint slides with data and tables and graphs right, and right, right, right. no emotion. Um, and I was able to... <laughs> was... <laughs> Academic medicine public speaking is not the same as public speaking. <laughs> no emotion. No, <laughs> it's awesome. so, you know, it's, it it's is so data heavy. Yeah, you know, for like, sure. It, it's just like I think the subtext that we learn as we go through yeah. medical training to yeah. not be political. We learn we have to be very serious behind the podium. Body language is frowned upon. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> and then to like for that year of the campaign, I would give those kind of presentations and then I'd go give my stump speech. And I'm like, we need we need to find a middle ground because honestly, a lot of stump speeches are void of any data or facts. We need a little yeah. bit more of that. And like <laughs> best way is somewhere in the middle. But all that to say, like, it was just a lot of practice. And I'm so proud of the skill I have now as a public speaker. And, um, you know, I was able to measure my success in the amount of uh, women I made cry in the audience. It's interesting that you frame it like that, because you were doing the sort of academic medicine public speaking at the same time, you were still working. And you're a highly sought after public speaker in the space of violence reduction and interventions around reducing gun violence nationally. So you're giving those talks with the PowerPoint slides, and then you're giving the talk before a throng of people who are compelled by the message you're giving. So you're kind of getting to shape both of those things at once. But I think that what you said that I think resonates the most for me is I think about how do we just get better at public speaking? Because I get asked about this a lot, and I know you do too. You just got to be in the lab. You just got to grind and you got to practice and practice and practice. And it will slowly over time get better. That blade will get honed over time and just be confident that you'll get there and then give yourself the positive self-talk as you're moving through it. But speaking about passion and energy and driving things toward change. All right. So we've got the skill set. 
and we've got this vision. So now you're bringing them back together less than a year after the 2022 election with your political action committee. First principles, define PAC. I do think it's one of those terms that we bandy about. And a lot of us are in that space of, I don't want to be the only person in the room who doesn't know what this means. But in reality, most people in the room don't necessarily know what it means. So let's define it. And then we can talk about specifically what you're doing in that space. Yeah. So a political action committee is a organization that raises money to support some political initiative, whether it's a lineup of candidates or whether it's a ballot initiative. Um, it's just, it's similar to the account you open when you run for Congress and you raise money into it and you spend it on everything you spend during your campaign. So my, and I've talked to other people who are like, aren't PACs bad? And I think that people who don't know a lot about them, what they might only know is sort of the dark money organizations where you don't really know you know, whose money it is or who's doing what. And all of a sudden you see these scary TV commercials two weeks before the election with the, you know, paid for by, but that there's amazing positive packs out there too, you know? So we talked about this at the beginning of the campaign, like, are we going to accept pack money and what sort of the, the most popular thing to do, especially for democratic candidates is to just take non-corporate PAC money. Um, so, you know, I took PAC money from an organization, a PAC called Vote Mama that tries to elect more women who have children under the age of 18 to all levels of office or, you know, 314, which tries to elect more scientists to all levels of office. So these are sort of issue driven PACs that are raising money 365 days a year to support candidates, to support that support what they believe in. So PACs are doing a lot of really important heavy lifting every election cycle. I didn't know that there was a PAC designed to elect scientists and pro-science candidate until right now. I think there's an opportunity for some, maybe some improved messaging because you're right. I think it almost has that for some people, almost a pejorative connotation, right? It's dark money and it's, it's things done behind the curtain. And, and that's not the case. It's part of the machinery of politics in this country. And I think that it's important that people who are doing it the right way with good intentions are leveraging this because not only is it effective, but it changes the narrative. So now we're in the place of a bit more shared understanding. Walk us through what you've created and we'll go then to how do we all begin to engage? Because it's extraordinarily compelling. So we have created an organization called Their Future, Our Vote, which is itself actually a 501c4 nonprofit organization that will do advocacy work and political spending. And then affiliated with that, we created Their Future PAC, which is the first PAC for kids. And it is a hybrid political action committee to make things even more confusing. But that means that we can give direct donations to candidates who are champions for children. We can write their campaigns checks and we will do that. And then the um, super PAC side of the hybrid PAC will do independent expenditure work on behalf of candidates. So what that means is that we will find our best champions for children who are in winnable races who need help at the end of the day. And we will spend on behalf of them without coordinating with them. So for example, Representative Kim Schreier, pediatrician from Washington's 8th. She's obviously an incredible champion for children. So hypothetically speaking, we could help her by 
developing, producing TV commercials that go up on TV in her district without coordinating with her at all and talk about how she's so great on kids' issues or how her opponent is so bad on kids' issues. And then that would be shown to the voters in her district in addition to the ads that her campaign itself pays for. So it's a way to really help candidates um, who need that help at the end of the day. And again, no one is doing this with a focus on kids. So they're, you know, Emily's List does this, Planned Parenthood, everybody, you know, all these big giant organizations are doing incredibly important work on specific issues, but no one is doing this and messaging about why you should vote for this person because they're good for kids. And as a pediatrician and a mom every day, that continues to shock me that we're the first ones to really see this gap and address it in this way. So then in that space of advocating for kids through the political lens, what issues do you think lend themselves well to say this candidate is on board, we're going to support them? Or you know what, this candidate, we are not in alignment. And this is someone that we don't believe should be in office with respect to being of service to children in America. Yeah. So um, first, I'll say that we are a nonpartisan organization because we don't believe children's issues should be partisan. And sadly, they have become quite partisan in this country in this day and age. Um, but we are very issues focused and we would be willing to support candidates on either side of the aisle if they are on the right side of our six core issues. So I think essentially everything that's discussed in Washington, D.C. is a children's issue, but we know we need to focus. So we have six core issues, which are rather big buckets of issues, but they are access to quality, affordable health care, addressing and improving our public education system, urgent action on climate change, protecting our democracy, addressing gun violence, and child hunger and poverty. Big, big issues, but issues that are incredibly urgent for the children of this country. I've got an almost seven-year-old fundamental in his pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think it's good and noble that you have taken on the big ones. If you hadn't, with the first iteration of a PAC designed specifically for children's issues in America, people would say, what are you doing? Uh, and that climate change and gun violence, the leading cause of death for kids in America and child hunger and affordable. That it's good that those are the ones that are put forward because they are the priorities. And it's fine that they're big. If there's, you know, we take big swings in this life. And so let's take one now because we'll look back and say, what did we do? And I know I say this a lot on the podcast and on social media. Someday I'm pretty convinced my son is going to ask me, what did you do, dad? And. I, I really want a good, compelling answer, and you and others motivate me, and I think we're able to do that now for each other in some way. What's the response been? You've put this message out. The website is live. You're on social media. You still have a big following. What sort of response are you getting? It's been incredibly positive. Um, it's very different than launching a campaign. Everybody knows what a campaign is and how to give to a candidate and all of that. So there is some um, work we have to do to explain exactly what gap we're trying to fill and how we're going to fill it and how we're going to be active in the 2024 election cycle and why giving to us is a great way to make a difference. Um, but the response has been overwhelmingly positive from our allied organizations in D.C. to elected lawmakers in D.C. to pediatricians here in my community and across the country. Um, I just feel like I have so much wind at my back because 
the campaign helped to um, elevate my profile, to start talking about these issues, to see what it looked like to center children in political conversations. And this is just the next big step after that. So we're building off that foundation that we had, um, that we laid during the campaign. And it's, it's been incredibly exciting. I mean, the work is hard. It's unglamorous. Um, it's stressful. I, um, I feel a big weight on my shoulders because I believe so much in what we're trying to accomplish that I worry about what will happen if I don't do it right or we're not successful. And so that is what sort of keeps me up at night, but I don't think we're going to let that happen. And I just feel incredibly hopeful about what is going to be possible with this organization. I feel those last two statements like in my core, for sure. And I think that's why the positive self-talk is so important because we can't be in that space of what happens if this doesn't go the way it wants. It, it, there's no alternative. It has to go the way we, we this needs to go. Uh, and I think you and I share that pragmatic optimism that we'll get there, but we also understand the reality. It takes hard, grinding, unglamorous work to do that. But there are definitely moments of fun along the way, for sure. And you and I get to participate in one of them together with an array of wonderful people. Rock the Ride for Gun Violence Prevention is coming up in Yountville, California, June 24th. And you're going to be one of our featured speakers. Pretty cool that we're sort of in this place now where five years ago, we didn't know each other's names and wouldn't have recognized each other on the street. And now I get to have you come out to this really cool event to be one of the speakers. It's going to be a great event. It's a very effective event, benefiting Giffords and benefiting Atlantis Foundation and benefiting every town. What do you think about this idea, right? Two docs who five years ago had never even met now getting to participate in this event. That's a cornerstone of your, the mission of what you're doing now. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think it speaks to the power of social media because that's how you and I connected and um, the opportunities that we have had to work together to sort of elevate each other's voices, you know, I think are ongoing. And um, when I tweeted about this promotion of this incredible event, and I'm so excited to join, it really struck me because, you know, I'm a pediatrician, you're an internist, you're on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast. But what we share, number one, is our viewpoint as parents of young children. And number two, you cannot live anywhere in this country and not be affected by the public health crisis of gun violence. This is just so at the front of everyone's mind in this country. And it should be a unifying topic for physicians and others all across the country to be able to join together, elevate each other's voices. And I think it's so important. And I've said this 1 million times, but for, for physicians to lean into their expertise on this issue, because we can accelerate change in this country on this issue specifically. And I know you've been busy traveling the country, speaking to departments of medicine and others at different medical schools. That is such an important part of creating this change. I'm doing the same. And I just, I think anyone who is in our field who feels compelled to lean into this, I just please like join us, find a way into this movement. Um, Rock the Ride is going to be incredible. I'm excited to make connections out there in your community to share my perspective as a pediatrician, as a gun violence prevention advocate and researcher, former candidate for Congress. But I think you and I both feel the momentum shifting on this issue um, that I really do believe we are reaching a tipping point 
Um, and a lot of that is due to, again, this heavy lifting grassroots activism that's happened all across this country since the Sandy Hook shooting. A lot of it has to do with Gen Z using their voices and being fed up with the lockdowns they had to endure their enchi- entire childhood. And I just, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be an incredibly positive event that will help accelerate change. I think that one of the things you'll bring to it as well, this is a very engaged region with respect to the topic of gun violence. It's a very heterogeneous region. It's very diverse. And there are, just like the rest of the United States, there are lots of gun owners that live in in this region, in the northern part of California, you know, north of the Bay Area. We've got a very engaged congressperson. Congressman Mike Thompson is probably as engaged and as disciplined and focused on the subject of gun violence as any congressperson in the United States. That all being said, it's a great place to do this work because it's a there's a lot of kinetic energy still to be tapped into, right? There's a lot of potential energy. It's helping all of these people who are engaged understand you can do work beyond your district. You can do work beyond the state of California. We've got someone from South Carolina coming to speak with us with a very different perspective of what it feels like to be a part of this issue. How do we engage with voters and citizens and people of interest across the country? And maybe how can our state and our region be a real juggernaut for that? And for me, that's what Rock the Ride is, is makes it so compelling because I think it can be a real furnace of that kind of kinetic energy to propagate out. And also, most importantly, to normalize these discussions, to make rational and civil conversations around critical topics like gun violence a common thing, a normal occurrence. We talk about them like we talk about anything else. And we're not quite there yet. And I think that with outstanding public speakers like you and great infrastructure like we have and in a setting that obviously I'm biased, but I love it. It's a, it's a great way to sort of set that template as we go forward though, right? You've got a big social media profile. You're active there. You do a ton of stuff. You do a lot of media hits. How do people follow you and how do they follow their future? Yeah. So I'd love for them to check out our website, which is their future, They can follow me on Twitter, uh, Annie Andrews, MD, their future is also on Twitter, which is easy to find. If you go to my profile, we're on Instagram, but Annie Andrews MD is the best place to find their future. But this is the moment for children in this country grows more urgent by the day. We have never had an organization like this that is willing to lean in and bring that political muscle for kids. And we have to we have to work together to make this successful so that we can elect a kids first majority in 2024. And then we can build beyond that, but it's not going to work without the support of people all across the country. So we need people to follow us on social media to amplify our messaging. We also of course need donations. Um, but the moment is urgent. The environment for child advocacy is deteriorating in a lot of places in this country, which, which makes it even more urgent and important. And, we just can't wake up the day after the election in 2024 and wonder, you know, what could have happened if we had been more engaged. There's a million ways to engage in the causes that we all believe in. Just get off the sidelines because, like you said, our children are going to ask us someday what we did, and we need to be comfortable with what our response will be. I love it. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Registration for Rock the Ride is open. There's lots of ways for people who are listening. You can start to engage now. You don't have to wait for Rock the Ride. You don't have to wait for Election Day. Lots of websites, lots of social media, lots of phone numbers in your contacts that you can reach out to as well. Annie, we're going to do more stuff together. I, I love this trajectory. It's very, very exciting. I'm delighted that you were able to join on short notice today, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for having me.
My thanks once again to Annie for joining me on this episode of Explore the Space podcast. There's links in the show notes for you to check out. You can learn more about their future. You can learn more about Rock the Ride. And please do register for Rock the Ride June 24th in Yountville, www.rocktherideusa.com. I will be there. Annie will be there. Lots of other wonderful and highly motivated folks will be there for us to have a great day together to support organizations doing the hard work to change the trajectory around gun violence in the United States. You can hit me up on Twitter at ETS Show, Instagram at Explore the Space Show, and you can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. The entire archive of Explore the Space podcast is at www.explorethespaceshow.com. And if you look in the show notes, there is a link to all of the content related to the gun violence epidemic in the United States within the Explore the Space archive. There's a lot there. It will be great when we're not having to continue to add episodes to that archive. But until that time, we're going to keep working hard. We're going to keep learning together. We're going to stay motivated and keep moving towards a future that looks and feels very different from where we are now. It's people like Andy that are driving change. It's events like Rock the Ride that drive change. And at the end of the day, it's you. It's the choices that you make, the decisions that you make, the ways that you decide to use your voice and your megaphone and to mobilize your friends, family, and community. That's good. That's what's going to tell. That's what's going to make the difference. With all that said, thank you so much for listening. Of course, Explore the Space will be back with more great content. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.